Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Toad on Games, and I can promise you that it's only going to go downhill from that theme tune. That theme tune is legit the best part of this podcast. Don't expect it to get better than that. It won't get better than that. Um, <coughs> first episode, so it's going to be a bit of a weird one, um, but usually we'd have a guest on. Um, lots of different segments, have a lot planned, it's going to be cool, 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 cool. I'm looking at getting about 45 minutes to an hour in per episode. Um, some of it will be segments just me talking about topics, sometimes I'll have a guest on for the whole episode, sometimes just one part, whatever works best time-wise and stuff really. Um, but yeah, sick, cool, thanks for listening to that. Um, you know, uh, the views of the theme tune on SoundCloud got almost like 2,000 views, so if this gets anywhere near that, we're good! It probably won't know, because people just wanted to hear some sweet chip tune, and it is pretty damn sweet. Um, there'll be links in the description below either on youtube or soundcloud wherever you listen to this as to where to um listen to more stuff like that from from the uh, person that made it it's good stuff <clears throat> right so um i wanted to open up about a very recent topic um which was <sighs> this comes up a lot but obviously it's the it's the pc versus console nonsense which is boring it's dull it's an argument that's been going on for 30 bloody years it's not interesting really is it um, the the argument's been going on for years that oh well PCs are gonna kill off consoles and here we are in the new gen with PS4 and Xbox One selling more units than pretty much any um, console has ever sold before. Um, so let's just get that right off the bat to insinuate that consoles are dying because of PC is not true. Um, of course, the gamer base, uh, the gamer gaming market is growing as a whole. Um, and a lot of that is is the PC market. Not all of it. A lot of it is console market, but a lot of it is PC market thanks to the likes of Steam and the rise of Steam. <clears throat> However, um, there will always be a market for dedicated game consoles, um, in my opinion. Um, it's just easier. It's just more accessible. Um, we have to keep in mind that the hardcore gamers are a minority. You may think they're not because you talk in in groups of people that you, you consider hardcore gamers. I don't really much like that term anyway, but hardcore gamers, and everyone you hear on Twitter talking about games are hardcore gamers, and all your friends and everything. Assuming you're like a big gamer yourself, the reality is that you're not the majority. You're the minority. Um, the majority of gaming consumers are not hardcore gamers, they will play very few games, they don't understand the market, they don't keep up with game news, that's the majority of gamers, you know, um, who a lot of teenage people that like to consider themselves as hardcore gamers will hate on that market, but without that market, son, you're probably not going to have as many games as you have now, or if at all, it's the majority of the market, is, is, for all intents and purposes, let's call it the casual gaming market. Um, the majority of my friends that play games, I would consider play them casually. They'll play very few games, they'll buy very few games for their consoles, and it is consoles. Um, and that's it, really. You know. But these people will still buy PS4s and Xbox Ones, and heck, sometimes they'll, they'll, they will play Steam games and stuff like that. Um, but it is a much smaller market. Uh, sorry, it's a much larger market than the hardcore gaming market. And it... And, it acts differently. It acts for it differently. Hardcore gamers are very stubborn. Um, the casual market, I guess, is also stubborn, but it, it's it's different. Um, yeah, my point is, 
is today um, Phil Spencer at Xbox has said some things about the console and that they sort of want to they sort of I don't know if they mean this generation with the Xbox One or, or in a future generation but they they really like the idea of having a console that sticks to the same architecture and then you just upgrade the hardware every couple of years much like you do a PC um, however, I, I think if that's going to work, they're going to have to make it a lot more simple than a PC. I don't think they can get people to buy little tiny bits and pieces like, here's some more RAM, and you got to get this and that and that. I don't think that's going to work. Um, it'll be too confusing for the majority of the of the gaming market, which, as I have explained, is mostly casual. Um, and I think even a lot of hardcore gamers would find that a bit confusing. What they will have to do is sell it as an entire bit of kit. You know, the whole, effectively, pretty much an entire unit or as close to as. I'm not sure how that will work yet, but, you know, we're still we're still talking about a fair bit in the future. But it's interesting that it's being spoken about now. And because it's being spoken about now, obviously, it's reignited the argument of, Oh, well, PC PC gamers are going to knock console gamers out of existence. It's just not true. Um, there's always going to be a market for console games and for, you know, console units themselves. They're just more, they're viewed as more easy and accessible to people. Even when they reach a point where they're going to start being modifiable, um, the market's still there. The market's very stubborn. Um, casual gamers and even hardcore gamers understand what dedicated console units are. They get them, they like them, there's going to be exclusives on them, they're still going to sell. Um, it's not really going to go anywhere, even if it starts replicating the sort of system that PC uses. So today, as I record this, um, a pretty big news thing has happened. Microsoft have announced that they're planning to um, close Press Play Studios, and by the looks of it, likely Lionhead Studios as well. Um, you probably know Lionhead Studios. They made the Black and White series. They made Fable. Um, they're currently developing Fable Legends, which is now being cancelled. I'll speak more about that in a minute. Um, press Play Games, if you don't know who they are. Um, they made Max and the Magic Marker. A couple of other games as well. Um, yeah, seemingly Microsoft has, out of the blue, dumped these two companies. Um, if you look at their social media accounts... It seems like neither of them were aware this was going to happen. Press Play was talking about things like two days ago, like events. The same with Lionhead Studios. They were saying about three days ago on their Twitter account how they were going to have an event about Fable Legends on Friday, next Friday. Um, uh, most people are focusing on Lionhead Studios because that's the company that people know about. So I'll focus mostly on that. But obviously my condolences with everyone at Press Play and... Uh, I wish the best for them, and I, I hope they all manage to get jobs elsewhere in the industry that isn't too difficult for them. Um, but with Lionhead Studios, I think that one shocked everyone, because, you know, it's a big UK company. It's one of the, you know, it, it's probably one of the biggest UK game studios. It's very well known between everyone, mostly for Fable. Um, this comes as a shock. People weren't expecting it to be closed. This is, this is the company that Peter Molyneux founded, um, he's not been with that company for years. If I'm honest, uh, he can be an arse, Peter Molyneux, but that might be part of the problem, um, that he's his departure. 
maybe they were struggling without him. You know, maybe they needed that. Um, Fable Legends has been in development for four years now. I've played it <coughs> multiple times over the years, over the last few years at events, public events, um, and also private events like the Microsoft's private games event that they had um, that I attended once. Played Fable Legends there. That was two years ago now. Two years ago, I think. It was odd because to me it felt pretty much finished. You know, obviously I'm only playing a small section of it, but it felt finished what I played. Um, there are reports that suggest that the game was pretty much done by now, and that the only thing that was going on at the moment was polish. That the game was just being polished, so that it it, it was effectively finished. Um, what I played of it wasn't good. Let me let's let's make that clear. I don't like that sort of genre of game anyway. But what I played of it wasn't very good. I didn't like it. It wasn't it wasn't a good game, you know. And it hasn't changed dramatically since then. I don't know. I don't know. See, I I want to know more about this development process because it it obviously obviously was struggling. My assumption is that it was just leaking money, and Xbox got pissed off about it and dropped the entire studio. Um, but my my assumption is over this four year development, they've just been leaking money and it's not getting anywhere, and Xbox s saw it as not getting anywhere and have dropped them for it completely. Dropped them for it. Um, it's currently unclear whether Lionhead Studios will die with the Fable IP. That's unlikely, you know. Um, or Microsoft will retain it, or it will be open for someone else to buy. I have no idea. It would be a great shame if it did just sort of disappear. Um, but as I said, I don't know why that would be the case. You know, it's some. You know, if if there's something that people are going to be willing to buy, there's always the opportunity to buy it. Um, I'm not actually entirely sure who owns the IP. I, I don't know if if Lionhead Studios managed to retain that or if Microsoft owned it or what. I don't know. Um, the likely scenario, to be honest, is that Microsoft will end up with the Fable IP. We won't hear about Fable for years, and then in about five years' time, they'll be like, "Ooh, making Fable 4. That's prob that's probably what's going to happen out of this. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no great loss with Fable Legends being cancelled. I'm not sure anyone's too fussed about that. It it comes as a shock as a genuine shock, especially as it seems like it was it was almost finished, you know, which is really heartbreaking for people that worked on it, you know, they've poured four years into this into this project, um, a project that was almost going to see the light of day, and it's just been cancelled, you know. Few games get cancelled that close to being finished, and it's always a, a really big shame when it does happen. It wasn't a good game, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame still. That all the effort and money has gone into something that people pour their heart into that won't that won't end up being played by people. Yeah, it even had even had open betas and stuff. You know, had betas for God's sake. People have played the beta of it. Um, it's odd for a game to get that far into development. What is effectively an AAA game. You know, for an AAA game to get that far into development just to be hoarded. Um, so there was clearly some underlying issues. It was probably, as I say, leaking money. Um, and there was probably still a lot of work to do, or Xbox were not happy with the quality so far, and it was still going to be another bloody year's worth of work or something, and they didn't want to pour the amount of money it would take into marketing it when they didn't have any faith in it, you know, that sort of thing. The cancellation of the game, I suppose, isn't the biggest surprise in the world. I wasn't expecting it, but it's not the biggest surprise in the world, considering what I've played of it. 
Um, but the, the the closure of the studio is just outright closing Lionhead Studios. They've completely lost faith in that studio and are shutting it down. Absolute shame. And a shame with Press Play Studios as well, you know. Um, I haven't actually played their games, if I'm completely honest, but um, Max of the Magic Curse always looked kind of neat to me. Um, you know, they made a sequel to that as well. I can't remember the name of it off by heart, but they both got okay reception, not brilliant reception, but they look like nice, charming games, and, you know, even if they weren't perfect games, they're clearly games that people poured their passion into. Clearly, clearly games that people have really put some serious effort into and loved and cared about, which is a rarity nowadays with video games. Well, with big developers and big publishers, anyway. That's a rarity. And, And that was one game you could absolutely tell the developers cared a fucking lot about. So it's a great shame, and I, I hope everyone from Lionhead, and everyone from Press Play manages to get decent jobs elsewhere that, you know, they don't have to travel miles and miles to. And I, I wish the best for them all because they are talented people. They are talented people. Um, both development companies are talented people, and it's a great shame. Now, if we're looking at sort of the industry trend of this recently. Of video game companies shutting down, a lot of studios shut down. You know, you know it. We seem to have an increasing trend of studios shutting down. That may just be because the industry is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's more studios. There's more risk. There's more financial problems. You know, that's not necessarily a problem. What I do want to say though, is that when you look at Microsoft and EA, they're a toxic company to work with. And I don't want to be that guy that just has a dig at EA or Microsoft for the sake of it. You know, EA gets a lot of shit. Obviously, they do. And to be honest, they're probably not even the worst company. And there's plenty of other companies that do exact same shit that they do. But <clears throat> I guess it's cool to hate EA. But in this in this scenario, EA and Microsoft have made it very clear that it is toxic to work with them. Not in every scenario, not with every developer. But if you're a uh, an independent studio and you sign on with with either Microsoft or EA to become a first or second party developer you are dooming yourself you are you are instantly causing yourself unnecessary risk that should be a last case scenario a lot of developers that end up becoming first and second party developers for Microsoft and EA are not struggling they're not struggling developers which is why they've been bought They've been bought because they're doing well, you know. Um, Lionhead Studios was not struggling before they signed up with Microsoft, you know. They they had black and white going on, and that was a really decent series. Um, they had other stuff. They had Peyton Molyneux on board, for God's sake. Um, yeah, but but you look at companies that have been shut in, in the past, and it's just like, it's just like EA and Microsoft will buy these developers... <coughs> sort of make them do something completely different, sort of just use them as tests, you know, just make them do shit that they wouldn't usually do, and frankly aren't good ideas, and then they fail, and then they go, oh, well that failed, and then they'll ditch the developer, dump them, leave them to rot on the curb. Or if that's not the case, if it's not that they're forcing them to do something out of their comfort zone, they'll just ditch them at the first sign of trouble anyway. Um, you look at Maxis, Maxis got shut down recently by EA, people that made The Sims for fuck's sake, people that made The Sims and City. 
I mean, good lord. EA, EA had Maxis and they dropped them. As far as an external point of view can see, obviously I, I don't have any inside information on it because not many people do. But um, as far as anyone can see, Maxis obviously had the, the SimCity fiasco in 2013 where SimCity released and was a pile of shite because of mostly connection issues and garbage like that, which could very well have been EA's fault. It could have been stuff imposed on on the developer by EA. But, um, yeah, that they had that fiasco. As far as I know, it still made a lot of money, though, SimCity. I don't think it made a loss, but it obviously was a huge PR hit for EA. And, yeah, they ditched Maxis. Maxis is no longer. They sort of incorporated the franchises into different studios, but the Maxis studio is gone. The studio that created The Sims, for fuck's sake, one of the biggest video game franchises ever, is gone. And that happened a year ago. That happened a year ago. And we see this with lots of other developers that EA own, um, where similar things happen. Mostly it's they're by the developer, they'll make them do something different that really wasn't their shit anyway, so why would you buy them and make them do something different, just get another developer to do it, but never mind. And it doesn't go well, and they'll dump them. You look at Microsoft, they bought Rare. They bought Rare, the people that were sort of the Pixar of video games in the 90s, you know, the kings of 3D platformers, and you could give them any genre, and they'd own it every time. They bought them, sure, they made them do one or two games, they made them do Cameo, and they made them do a, a, a perfect dark game, and then they just went, oh, should we just make them do shitty Kinect games? Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Oh, that, that once really prominent video game studio, one of the biggest, most respected video game studios, Let's just make them make shitty gimmicky games for a shitty gimmicky peripheral. Yeah, let's do that. Why did the fuck didn't they just give that to some other developer? But, fuck knows, they gave it to Rare, and now Rare is known as a laughing stock because they don't do anything, they make Kinect games. And they re-released all of their Rare games on a disc recently, which was good, you know, but it was just a re-release. Um, Rare are currently making a game about pirates or something. It seems like Microsoft have finally let them do what they want. They've told them, you know, go de go develop a game that you want to develop. Um, and they are. It's like a pirate-looking game or something like that. And it's too late. You know, it's too late. The prominent figures in Rare are gone. They've all fucked off. That's what people aren't... People are like, oh, finally, Rare get to make a game that they want to make. It's going to be good. The, the important people are all fucking gone. They all left Rare a long time ago, because they started having to make shitty Kinect games they didn't want to make, so they buggered off. A lot of them are over at Playtonic Games now, working on an actual 3D platformer. Ukulele. I, I'll be honest, I'm not excited about Rare's new game. I'm not excited about it at all. Um, maybe it will turn out to be good, maybe it's just my, not my sore thing, but it, it, I, I, I don't have much hope for it. <coughs> you look at studios like Visceral Games, people that made Dead Space, Dead Space 1 came out. Like, survival horror hadn't existed like that for about a decade, and it was a fucking fantastic game. Dead Space 2 came out, pretty much the same thing to be fair, but a really, really good sequel, really good game. Great game. Both games sold really well. Both games were very well received critically. EA surely couldn't be happier. Nope. 
make Dead Space 3, but please put in some shitty online shit and microtransactions and nonsense and shit in it, please, Visceral Games. Um, and then I have no idea whether it was Visceral Games' choice or EA's choice, but obviously it became a, sort of a more action-based game because they wanted to put co-op in it. Um, and, you know, it's like, oh, a survival horror game that's entire purpose and point is that you are isolated and you're alone. Yeah, let's give them a co-op player and have them... It just, it just turned into an action, like, action horror game as opposed to a survival game. Um, I honestly think that that was probably a lot to do with EA. I don't know. Um, I know I'm pretty certain the online parts were... And I know for a fact that the microtransaction bollocks and, and all that nonsense was. And lo and behold, the game wasn't that well received and it didn't sell very well. And Dead Space as an IP was effectively dropped because of it. They just went, oh, well that didn't work out, drop that. Well it didn't work out because you fucked it. It was doing fine before you fucked it. Um, but yeah, we know EA is like this. But I don't think people realise that Microsoft does the same thing. My Microsoft and EA are not good companies to work with as a first or second party developer. Unless you have a rock solid IP, like, you know, Dice Do or um, Bioware with Mass Effect, unless you have that rock solid IP, they're gonna fuck you. They're gonna fuck you. And if it weren't for the fact that Visceral Games were getting a Star Wars game to work on, I guarantee they'd be the next studio that EA shuts down. They'd be the next big studio to shut down. And fuck, maybe they will. Um, the Star Wars game would do well. It's Star Wars. It doesn't even matter if it's any good. It doesn't even matter if EA fuck it up. It will still sell well. Um, but will Visceral Games last forever? Will any of their studios last forever? Probably not. Probably not, you know. Um, because they'll toy with them and make them do random shit. And their project would do badly. And as soon as their project does badly, EA will throw them out. And Microsoft will do the exact same to any of their studios. I understand it's business. I understand there's no point in keeping a studio if it's not making any muns. But when you are, as a publisher, are responsible for that mistake, it just seems crazy to me to eliminate the studio. I, I'm not sure that that's the case with Lionhead Studios, I should, I should point out. I'm sort of just extending this topic. Lionhead Studios probably had a great deal of control over Fable Legends. That game sucking was probably their fault. Their fault. That game having financial difficulties was probably their fault. That game having been delayed and having been in development for four years, I, I don't, I'm not suggesting that was Microsoft's fault, you know. Um, and yeah, I guess they were probably leaking money. But Microsoft being the publisher should probably have recognised that a long time ago and cancelled the project. Um, and pop them onto something else. Make them make Fable 4, for God's sake. Um, you've got guaranteed sales there. Even if it didn't turn out to be very good, it would have sold well, you know. It would have kept the studio open. Um, it's just it's just a shame, you know. It's not even like these studios are being sold off. They're just being shut down. Um, and perhaps their IP is being retained. Um... Yeah, it's just a shame. It's it's always a shame when we see a big studio or a small studio shut. Um, you know, video game history means a lot, and the preservation of video games mean a lot. And it it's just always a shame to see a studio close. 
Um, not just because of the history of it and the fact that you won't get any more games from them, but there are people there. That that's those are real people, and they've lost their jobs, you know. Um, and a lot of the time they can't find jobs again because they live in a very specific area and or are just not hired by anyone, you know. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation and it's it's it sucks. And it's a shame whenever one of these studios shut and you go on social media and you have fuckheads tweeting these developers um, with stuff like, oh, your game sucked anyway. That's nice. That's great. These developers have just lost their jobs and regularly are not warned about it in advance. You know, it's, 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 it's often not a thing that's been in discussion with them for months on end. If it has been a discussion, they've not been part of it. They've not been part of the discussion. You know, the publisher will have that discussion and really not inform the developer at all. Um, either because, A, they don't care, or B, they don't want to um, sort of interrupt in ongoing development of video games if it is decided that they're not going to close the studio. You know, because they're not going to work hard if they're like, oh, we're thinking of shutting you down. Um, but these studios are not, not in active discussions about this sort of thing. Um... It doesn't seem like they knew they were about to lose their jobs. I'd like to think that um, this isn't the first they heard of it. That that blog post wasn't the first they heard of it. That that would be ludicrous. But I can't imagine they found out that much earlier. You know, even if it was the same day, I I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they found out the exact same day that we found out that they didn't have a job anymore. And um. I'm not sure how much help they'll receive from these publishers, you know, um, to go elsewhere. Um, I'm not suggesting that no other publisher is like this. Other publishers close studios, you know, for stupid reasons. But Microsoft and EA are notorious for it. Um, obviously, Nintendo will close down studios. N Nintendo have separate issues with studios, I should note. With, with, with second-party and third-party developers that they work with, they're shit, you know, they're, they're, they, they are very fucking difficult to work with um just look at the shit that's going on with re retro studios recently and the rumors um revolving around that it's quite interesting in its own right <clears throat> i'm not saying that other publishers are fantastic um you know business people suck <laughs> when when business people people with a business background are now the people running these video game companies as opposed to many years ago when it was the innovators it was the people actually passionate that, that ran these companies it's not anymore, it's it's mostly businessmen, and these businessmen care about one thing, and that's money, and I guess it's okay, they are businesses, but, you know, have some fucking tact about it. So there is this debate that comes up regularly, um, and it's to do with leaks. Um, it comes up a lot mostly because of Nintendo. Nintendo completely incapable of, re of retaining any surprises over the last few years. If you look at anything to do with Super Smash Brothers, it's leaked before announcement every time. Look at all of their recent Nintendo Directs. Um, it leaks every time. Usually, unfortunately, like just the day before or that same day of the announcement, all the stuff they're announcing gets leaked. You look at the Pokemon Direct, Pokemon Sun and Moon got leaked before the Pokemon Direct. <clears throat> all these things leak all the time and it isn't just nintendo it's pretty much everyone at this point um it's becoming increasingly difficult for video game companies to keep surprises um 
this is a bit of a shame. It's a little bit of a shame. I mean, there's two sides to this. It's a little bit of a shame because people like watching them as a form of entertainment. Even though they're announcements, technically sort of, you could regard them as advertisements if you wanted to. Um, you know, people watch them as a form of entertainment. They like to hear that a new Nintendo Direct is going on on this date and they'll they'll plan around it and they'll sit down and they'll watch Nintendo Direct and they'll, oh, wonder what surprises we'll get today and they enjoy everyone watching it at the same time on social media and everyone can talk about it and sort of get together and sort of agree with me like, oh, this happened, that happened and fucking I hated this and I hated that and I hated everything because I hate everything and and that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> so I understand there's sort of that aspect of it. It's a form of entertainment. There's a form of community around an, uh, official announcements. Um, but yeah, everything gets leaked now. And these these sort of events where things are announced are becoming increasingly more disappointing to people because I guess they see it as the company's fault that more wasn't shown. Um, in the case of the Pokemon Direct, everyone was disappointed from the Pokemon Direct. Everyone was... Everyone was really happy to hear that Pokemon Sun and Moon was happening. But then the Pokemon Direct announced it, and they were like, oh, well, I wanted more. I wanted more. And, you know, if it hadn't leaked, they would have been happy with just that announcement. You know, because they wouldn't have known anything else. I'm sure a lot of people would have been saying that they wanted game trailers and some footage and some more information. But, you know. But for the most part, I think most people would have been happy to just hear the announcement and be like, ooh, it's called Sun and Moon, isn't that interesting? I think people would have been entertained by that still. Um, so when these leaks are made, um, they're made through through sort of various different methods. Um, what's becoming increasingly common is that things are leaking due to trademark applications or age ratings um, because with age ratings if they rate something whether it be the Peggy system or um, the American system or anything else it's pretty much up on their website when they've rated it um, most rating boards worldwide will um, will put the rating for a game on their site oh we've rated this you know, um, and that leaks it in the case of trademarks obviously they want to apply a trademark for the game they're creating and again trademark application websites tend to post this online it's not like on the front page of their site or anything it takes some some hunting to you know to some degree anyway but people are willing to do that to 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 be able to put their name on a leak be like oh, i found this out and you know you could call that dirty but that's kind of what journalism is anyway isn't it you know uncovering things and that's what journalism is <clears throat> Um, I've never leaked anything, obviously. Um, but when things do leak, I I absolutely share it on my social media. I share it on Twitter. I post about it. Um, I'll say, reportedly or apparently, this has been leaked due to trademark application or age ring or something. And um, I will usually share these things. A lot of people are pissed off about this sort of stuff because it ruins the surprise. Su surprisingly, I've actually never had anyone complain to me about me posting it and and letting them know. <clears throat> but uh, in general, people are pissed off. And you look at people like Liam Robertson, um, famous because of Unseen 64. People get really pissed off with him when he leaks stuff on his Twitter. 
or in articles or in videos when he leaks game announcements because it's ruined the surprise to these people. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, there's there are definitely two different ways to this. As I said, it's a form of entertainment. I get that these events, and I get that, and I, I feel a little bit of that myself because I make an event out of E3. You know, um, I will if I'm not working anyway. I will go with a friend and we'll sit and eat pizza and we'll book the entire week off and sit and make sure we watch all of the pre-shows the post-shows all of e3 we watch everything and i enjoy talking about it on social media as it's happening and talking about it with everyone actively as everyone's finding out the same thing you know it's, i get that it's it is it is appealing it is interesting but at the same time as i've said before that's journalism you know that's that's journalists job is to report the news and if they can uncover that news they have a story, and I don't, th I don't think that's dirty. You know, I I don't think it's wrong. I'm not pissed off about it. When I hear this news, I'm excited still. I'm still, oh, this is happening, and I'll post it. And I love, I love that we hear, effectively, game news every single day. I mean, if you're as active on it as I am, there isn't a single day where there's not something worth posting about on social media in regards to game news. Which is brilliant, you know. It's not like we just have E3 where everything's announced and there's nothing else happening anymore. That doesn't happen. I don't, well, I'm not sure if it ever happened. Maybe to a lesser degree. But, um, but yeah, that never happens. Literally every single day there is news in the video game industry worth posting about on my personal Twitter account to tell other people. Something that I think is interesting enough that other people want to know. Um, and that's brilliant. Um... That's not just because of leaks, but I mean, it's good that not all of the information is just crowded into one event, one day. So it's always nice to hear these things anyway, and, I'm, and I'll share them with my followers, and I haven't had anyone moan to me yet that the surprise has been ruined, but even if they did, I don't think I'd stop posting about them. Um, <clears throat> and <laughs> some people will post, like, spoiler tags um, when they're posting these these leaks that have, which is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I understand that you say it ruins the surprise. I understand that you like the Nintendo Directs and they're being, quote, unquote, ruined for you. And the surprise is being ruined for you. The information's still there. You're still accessing the information. You're just not having the company itself tell you it on the day that you wanted it. Um, for all intents and purposes, you're still getting the same information. And you can still watch those events and usually, usually, you'll see more than what you've heard. So you'll, you'll see some screenshots, some footage. You'll hear some more information that wasn't previously available um, you know, it's it's a bit like the argument um, where having a film or a TV show spoiled for you, does it ruin it? It's not quite that much, because it's not quite the same, because you're just having an announcement ruined for you, not an actual entire entertainment process. But even then, um, some researchers and stuff once did a study and found out that even if a film is ruined for someone, like The Twist or something... For most people, the film isn't still ruined. Even if they believe it to be, they'll go and watch it and enjoy it just as much because they're anticipating that's that twist. They know something that no one else knows or whatever, and they're waiting for that twist to happen and seeing the build-up to it and how that works, and they, they still end up enjoying the, the product usually. Um, that's a weird comparison because it isn't even that bad, this. You're just having an announcement of things leaked to you. You're not having an entire game spoiled, or the game's story spoiled, or anything like that. You're just having an announcement spoiled. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, if 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 all of E3 was spoiled, if if 
we really did have pretty much everything from E3 spoiled before E3 through leagues. And um, no other new announcements. Like, pretty much everything interesting was spoiled. I would probably be upset, you know. Um, <clears throat> but we haven't hit that point yet. And I don't think it's ethically wrong for journalists to report news, whether it's leaks or not. I, I, I don't... Th I, I cannot... I just can't agree with that, you know. Even if I was to say, yeah, it does ruin the surprise and blah, blah, blah. I just can't agree with journalists shouldn't be doing journalism. That's stupid. Um, you know, I can't exactly tell you if you don't want these things ruined for you. Stay off of social media because that's stupid. But obviously, follow the right people. If you really don't want these things spoiled to you, don't be following the sort of people that are going to post about this sort of stuff. For myself, for example. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just announcements. Um, if we're going to look at how game companies should be able to prevent this from happening, it's very, very difficult. Um, as I say, a lot of it recently has been trademark applications. Obviously, you could say don't apply the trademark until after the game's been announced, but trademark applications can take a while, and they can't really risk losing the trademark of something. Um, I know that was a common thing that everyone said about Pokemon Sun and Moon. People were saying that they should have applied the trademark after the announcement, which is silly. You know, what? By the way, while we're on that topic, um, that Pokemon Direct probably should have just been put in the Nintendo Direct. That happened a few days afterwards. I don't know why on earth it was separate. I guess they got some extra publicity out of it because Pokemon Direct was trending, and then a few days later, Nintendo Direct was trending, and they had people talk about it at two separate points. I get that PR wise, but. People would probably have been less disappointed with both events if they had just put the Pokemon announcement at the end of the Nintendo Direct. Doesn't really make that much sense to me. There is an argument going on at the moment, um, and it's been going on since pretty much The Witness came out, but it's kicked up again recently, um, which is effectively how much video games should cost. Um, this argument mostly exists because of the perceived value of independent games. Um, started with The Witness, and now it's kicked back up again now that um, No Man's Sky price has pretty much been announced. Um, the Witness came out and it cost £30. Um, it looks like um, No Man's Sky is going to be a full price game. You know, so £50, £60, something like something along those lines. 40 to, 40 to £60, basically. Full price AAA game. Um... And the debate is kind of, I guess, what is a game worth? What what is its value? What what determines how much a game should cost? And I guess, I guess those are individual. Um, that's done on an individual basis. Like I guess it's up to the consumer to determine how much a game is worth. Ultimately, you know, um, publishers can charge what they want, but I, ultimately it rests on the shoulders of the consumers to decide whether a game is worth something which is, I should know, which is why it pisses me off when people complain about um, business tactics in video games like season passes, like microtransactions like paid day one DLC and so on and continue to buy those games because you speak with your wallet that's the only thing publishers listen to your, your wallet, your money um, and if you're willing to put money down on something that you openly say is wrong and that isn't worth the money, then what are you telling these publishers? You know, you, you can complain all you want, but if you're willing to pay the money, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, 
And so if you believe that No Man's Sky is not worth the money they're charging, or The Witness is not worth the money they're charging, stick to your fucking guns. Don't pay for it. Wait for it to go down in price. Um, I, sh- I should feel this is the time for me to point out I don't agree with that. I don't agree with you. I, I, I'll get into that in a minute. But if you do feel that way, if you honestly feel like you're being ripped off, be it that a game is too expensive, or it has DLC, or it has microtransactions, or season passes, or, or any of that nonsense, and you don't like it, don't buy it. You speak with your wallet. Um, I'm aware that one person isn't going to change anything, but it's in my view, it's just the principle of the thing. I, I will sit all day long and complain about microtransactions and day one DLC and season passes, and do you know what I do about that? I don't buy the bloody things. I've I've never in my life had a game with microtransactions, or if they have been, they've been what I view to be ethically decent ones, which are you know like cosmetic cosmetic microtransactions. Absolutely fine. It's it's game changing shit that I don't like, and I've never touched any games that do that. I've never touched any games that have day one DLC, and I've never touched a game that has a season pass, unless you count um, Mario Kart Eight and stuff like that. But I, you know, they did it somewhat differently, and I didn't have as much a problem with that. Um, I'm not inherently against DLC and microtransactions and season passes, I should know. It's just the way that they're sort of um, done that I have problems with. I'll get into that in a further, in a, in a future podcast, I'm sure. But um, back to the point. No Man's Sky, The Witness. Is it worth the money it's charging for? What is the value of a game? Um, as I said before, that's up to the in, that's that's up to an individual basis. I can sit here all day long and tell you why it is worth that much, and I'm going to. Um, but it's your fucking money. Spend it how you want. Spend it on what you think it deserves to be spent on. No one else is going to be able to tell you any different. Um, so just stick to your guns and what you actually believe in. Don't spend money on things that you think you shouldn't be spending money on. That seems like such a stupid thing to be saying, but a lot of uh, there are so many people that are against things in video games, but will pay for it anyway because they feel they have to. You don't have to. There's plenty of fucking video games out there. There's there's so many video games out there. Spend your money on something else. Um, so yeah, The Witness came out oh, last month, February. Um, it cost thirty pounds. That's a lot of money for for a game of its kind. Um, I guess um, it's an indie game. You know, Jonathan Blow says it isn't an indie game, um, and I guess the amount of money it had spent on it, and the size of its development team, you could argue it isn't an indie game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and debate about what is and isn't an indie game, it's not really the point, maybe we'll get into that in future. Um, but a lot of people regard it as being an indie game, let's put it like that. Um, and they don't think that £30 is worth that. Um, you know, I... I didn't buy it. <laughs> I was looking forward to The Witness and I didn't buy it. And yet I'm going to sit here and tell you that £30 is fine. Um, sure, it probably could have been cheaper, you know. Um, it probably would have gained a little bit of extra... It's done very well. It's sold like over a million copies within the first two weeks, I think. Um, it probably would have sold more if it was a little bit cheaper. I probably would have paid... I probably would have just gone and bought it if it was 20 quid when it came out. But I don't really have a problem with it being £30, you know. I will buy it at some point. Um, I guess it being a, a 
just a puzzle game, an exploration game with puzzles and nothing else, people didn't like the fact that it was £30. I get that kind of a bit more than I get the No Man's Sky argument. So I'm not going to argue against it too much. <clears throat> you know, I think it's okay for it to cost £30. It had a huge development process. It was a lengthy development process with a lot of people working on it and a lot of money. And I personally feel that you're paying for an experience not for what a game looks like or how long it is you're paying for the experience you're paying for what you'll get out of it and i'm pretty sure that i would get more out of playing and finishing the witness and remembering the experience than i would playing like a modern day call of duty game or anything like that um i should know i don't actually hate call of duty i'm not against everyone can complain about it and i do complain about it but I don't think they're awful games. They're just kind of samey. Yeah. But they're not awful games. Um, but yeah, even then, I'd get much more of experience out of The Witness than I would a modern-day Call of Duty game. Um, no Man's Sky. Now, let's say that it costs 40 to £50 pounds, um, in the UK. About $60, probably. Um, let's say it costs that much. There's an argument at the moment as to why it would cost that much. And a lot a lot of people, um, you know, people that consider themselves hardcore gamers and sort of in with game news and follow all that shit, are actually not happy about this, that it's going to be full price. Um, this I have, I have no defence for that opinion. Obviously, as I say, it's your money, spent how you want, but I, I, I just can't see that point of view. Sony made it very clear... Um, when the game first received attention, that they were going to treat it like an AAA game. That they were going to treat it as if it were a first party game. A big fucking game. They've spent the money on it that sort of says that as well. They've spent a serious amount of money on this game. They're going to spend a serious amount of money on, it, on its marketing and release. And to push it, you know. They have a lot of, a lot of faith behind this game. They are treating it like a big fucking game. Um... And they poured money into it that says that. The development team isn't huge. But again, I, I feel that you're paying for the experience. You're not paying... I mean, it, it just seems so ridiculous to me that you would pay for a game simply based on how many people have made it. I mean, it's just stupid, isn't it, really? It, I mean, just listen to what I'm saying. You're paying. You're you're only willing to pay a lot of money for a game, depending on the amount of people that made it. And often, often a, a large development team means that there's no sense. You know, it, you, it's hard to cooperate when you have hundreds of people making one game. You have a small, close knit team with a lot of resources, and they were given a lot of resources by Sony. They're going to make a decent game. You've seen the footage. You may have even played it at events. Um, it looks good. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a good game, because I haven't played it yet, so I don't know. It might turn out to be crap. But, I mean, I'm not pissed off just on the basis of its price alone. You know? If it turns out to be a really good game, I'm willing to pay that much for it. I'm willing to pay full price for it. It deserves to be a full price game. It's always been treated like a full price game. Um, you know, it, it's gorgeous graphics. Like, as good graphics as you would see from any massive development team. Um, it's got so much scope to it, so much potential. I mean, you can visit a, a, a huge number of universes. I'm not going to say infinite, because it's not infinite, but it's like 13 trillion or something ridiculous. Um, different planets, because they're all procedurally generated. Um, 
everyone's going to have a different experience playing that game, and it's going to be wonderful, probably. Um, but it looks great. I, I, I have high hopes in it. I have very high hopes for it. I think it's going to be a fantastic game, and it deserves to be a full-price game. Um, though I would like to hear your arguments if you're one of these people that that don't feel the wetness or No Man's Sky should be charging these prices. I genuinely would like to hear from you. Um, yeah, maybe you can even come on here in the next episode and argue your point and we can sit and have a sensible debate about the price of it. That would be interesting. Or just leave a comment or tweet me or whatever. But I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely, I'm not saying I'm in the right. I'm not saying I'm in the right and you're wrong. I'm genuinely interested to know why people feel that it doesn't deserve to be that price. Both The Witness and No Man's Sky. I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Um, but, but I believe that these prices are okay. And actually, with that, I'm going to leave it for now. Sorry if the topics weren't ridiculously interesting. Sorry if I sound a bit glum and there aren't any guests. I'm not really joking around very much and it was pretty much just me in a monotone voice the whole time. Um, if you go and see my vines, I promise that I'm actually a lot more melodramatic and shitty than that. Um, hopefully that will show through again in some future episodes. Um, I'm sort of going for a mix of ridiculous and weird and stupid, as well as serious and in-depth and stuff. Um, I don't want to script any of this shit, because that would be stupid, but I think it would be a lot easier to riff off of someone else if I'm talking to someone else. You know, conversation will come a lot more naturally than just me talking on my own into a microphone like a loser for an hour. Um, so, yes, thank you for listening, whether you've listened to this on YouTube or SoundCloud. Let me know what you think. If you didn't like this, don't know why you're still listening. 45 minutes in, you've wasted your fucking time. Good for you. Um, but if you didn't like this, let me know why, genuinely, um, so I can improve it. Um, <clears throat> this will probably grow a formula as time goes on. I'm looking at it having a formula, which is sort of opening, game news, guest, uh, indie news, you know. I have a formula planned, but it's more difficult to do that when I'm just recording it on my own for a first episode. I will have guests on pretty much every single episode in the future for most of the episode. Um, I have various people planned at the moment. A lot of just Twitter friends and stuff that know a lot about gaming. Um, gaming analysts, gaming journalists, game developers, indie developers. Um, there are people interested in being on this. And interesting people with interesting perspectives on things. Um, hopefully people that have different perspectives than me so we can talk about it and debate about it and it'll be interesting, hopefully, maybe. Um, yes, anyway, thank you for listening to this. Hopefully the best part was indeed the opening theme because shit don't get better than that. So here it is again, actually, just because it, it does sound that good and hopefully I'll upload another one of these in a week's time. See you later.